0: You're listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Thank you, worship team. That was fabulous this morning. Uh, Kids, you are free to go to Kids Church. We got Ben and my wife, Julie, back there today. You get an elder and a pastor's wife, so... Uh, it's going to be a good one for you. It's also going to be good for us, though, because we have a new series today. Take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, and we are starting a new series called More Than Conquerors. More Than Conquerors. Uh, I, I have really been waiting for this like all week. I don't know about you. It's been, it's been a long week. I feel like Tuesday night, anybody else have a late Tuesday night? I feel like that was like two weeks ago. And, uh, and, and I've been just waiting to open up the word with you all. Um, and to set the stage for this series, I want to just honestly address the elephant in the room of our country for a quick second. Uh, I know it's, it's not something that I, that I, that I just want to jump into without really considering this and giving this a lot of thought. But there are a lot of people who have strong feelings, to say the least. That's not a controversial statement, right? Like, we have people on both ends of the spectrum. Some people are rejoicing, they're ready to celebrate, and they feel like, hey, we can heal now. You have other people on the other side of the spectrum who are like, wait, heal from what? I I want to I wanna make sure this, this is fair. And, and you have all these unknowns. Uh, we're gathered here to worship Christ, um, but when we look outside, as soon as we step out the door, there is a lot of disharmony to say the least. Our country has never been more politically divided than it is right now. And a lot of us saw this coming. I mean, there's, there's going to be unknowns for a while now in court. Um, the pursuit of justice shouldn't bother any of us, but this is where we're at in our country right now. And we have to, as Christians, rise above all of the chaos and the noise that is around us. People are going to go re- grow restless. Um, people who li- listen to different news sources are going to come on completely different sides and they look at things completely differently. All of this is unprecedented for the United States, and even beyond Jan- January, there's going to be a battle, an ideological battle going on in this country. And I really believe this is where Romans 8 comes in. I didn't say all that just because I wanted to like, walk on edge and like, get everybody like nervous. I said that because that's the context that we're all living in. We, some of us have fear. Some of us have excitement. Some of us have just what's going to happen or it's going to be great and what is wrong with everyone else around me. So wherever you're at on that, Romans 8 is what we need. Romans 8 is coming in, and I really have never had a stronger prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit to come to a certain, a certain place At a certain time, like for the last like four or five weeks leading up to today, I've just known I think I need to jump into Romans 8 because we all need a healthy reminder of what this says about our identity in Jesus Christ. We're going to see there's biblical principles here that define us. Not only should they shape our identity, they should shape exactly what we think about when we engage with other people outside of these walls. Jesus Christ is our true king, just as we have sung about already this morning. He is in control of everything, and we can have a peace and a boldness no matter what our circumstances are. So that's why we're here in Romans 8, and different passages of Scripture are going to create different types of series. This series will have a little bit different tone than our James series, just like the Psalm series was a little bit different than the Ephesians series. But this is a very rich chapter that it deserves a series of its own. It's, it's going to have a different style for such a time as this. And honestly, for the theology buffs in the room who just love to dig in and get into the theology of it all, um, I would love to have coffee with you later on because you can make a really strong case that no chapter in the Bible grows, goes stronger and deeper with the calling of the Holy Spirit and what He does for the believer, the work, the generous work of the Holy Spirit for the redeemed sons and daughters. That's what this chapter is about. Romans 8 is also a believer's treasure house of blessing and a definitive source of joy and gratitude and worship in the midst of harsh times. Every Christian should know this chapter and we should know it well. In the crazy sin cursed world that calls, Truth, a lie, and calls good evil. The truths of Romans 8 are like a lighthouse. Not only is it like the lighthouse, it's also like the life preserver, and it's like the life raft. When you're out there on a choppy, cold sea, on a freezing cold night, what you're going to see is that the more you embrace the truths of this chapter, the more courage, the more confidence, and the more boldness you're going to have in who you are in Jesus Christ. And you are going to be able to rise above everything else that is going on around you. So some of us in this room, we just need comfort over loss. Some of us need direction and vision. Some of us need, honestly, peace over personal failures. And and we need victory over strongholds in our lives. And some of us are riding high on our own talents and our our own good works and the great skills that we have. And if you remember from our last series in James, that pride can build in because you're good at something, and that's a very dangerous place to be in as well. So there's something here for all of us, but before we read Romans 8, I really think it's crucial to backtrack for a second and look at the context of Romans, okay? Before we just... I know I set that up. You're like, I want to read this. Hopefully, you're like, I want to read this this chapter. But uh, Romans 8 it is crucial to understand the context leading up to it. So, first of all, Romans itself, really quick. It is written like a Supreme Court justice making a case about the theological richness of the gospel. This is not a light book. It's thorough, it's surgical, and it's written like a genius who's making just an airtight argument. When you read Romans from the beginning to end, you're like, wow, Paul, uh, you're way smarter than me, and I can't disagree with anything I have some questions, but that sounds really good. Can I just copy and paste that into my life? Like That's the feel you get when you read Romans. Um, It's a glorious book, but if you pick it up in chapter 7, right before this chapter, Paul has actually opened up about how he struggles with sin. This is the Apostle Paul talking, how he struggles with sin in his own life. I want to read you a few verses here. Romans 7, verse 15. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. And this, let me just say, this is probably the hardest passage of scripture to ever read out loud in front of people with all these do's and do not's and I won't. It's a hard one. Are you, are you tracking what he's saying? He's basically saying, I mess up all the time and there's sin in my life and I hate it and I wish it wasn't there. Verse 20, now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. And then skip down to verse 24. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. All right, this was the Apostle Paul speaking. This wasn't you in your journal when you were 18, all right? This is the Apostle Paul dealing with sin. This is all of us, and the message of this chapter picks up from there. We all struggle with sin. Sin is annoying. Sometimes uh, it's more than annoying. Sometimes sin hurts us and harms us, but Jesus Christ doesn't leave us there. We have some very good news ahead, beginning with the first four verses of Romans 8. You ready? Let's read those together. Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. Notice the therefore. He's relating to what he just said. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walked not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So, the first point today, for all of us in this room, no matter what you're dealing with, where you're at, we all need this one. Rest in Jesus Christ because he is your justifier. Jesus Christ is your justifier, and you can find rest in him. There are two incredibly paramount mountaintop phrases in verse one we have no condemnation, and we have in Christ. These are treasure houses. We're going to spend a lot of time on both of these phrases throughout the rest of this series. This really is the launching point into the next 39 verses. These truths will be expounded upon. But the first thing that you can't miss is no condemnation is intrinsically linked to in Christ. It has no significance. It doesn't work unless you're in Christ. I had a super fun conversation with a member of our church just a couple weeks ago, uh, we went out. We went out to lunch, and we were at Holy Moly. We were sitting at one of those black picnic tables that our Spartanburg Life Group painted. Yeah, shout out to them. Um, we're sitting out there having Holy Moly, and he was talking about how he's actually done a study on his own with this phrase "in Christ." Just throughout the New Testament, wherever it says "in Christ," he's dove deep into that. It's such a rich theological term. It's also a very practical truth. We don't just believe Jesus from a head knowledge perspective we believe on and we believe in Jesus Christ we are in the vine so there's a legal side to this as well as a relational side and john 17 fleshes out this idea on the on the relational side of being in him colossians 3 talks about our lives being hidden in Christ we are created in him in philippians 1 we are chosen in him in ephesians 1 so this isn't just a commodity Being in Christ is knowing him on a deeper level of dependence. And we're going to see this all throughout Romans 8. If this kind of stuff is your jam, you're in the right series today, okay? But being in Christ is exactly what Paul has been talking about all the way up to Romans 8. All throughout all these other chapters, he's getting deep into this mystery of our faith. And he's laying down that... If you know Jesus by grace through faith, and you've repented of your sin and said, I don't want to live my life for me, my way anymore. I want to now turn to Christ and give over my passions, my energies. I'm going to give it over to Jesus Christ. That sounds scary for some people, but it's the most freeing, redeeming, salvific thing you can ever do. And the Bible urges you to do this. Christ urges you to do this. So if, if you're sitting here thinking, wow, um, this is a lot of doctrine, uh, this, sounds, this sounds a little intimidating, the Bible is actually gives you warning. If, if you don't get excited about this, you need to examine your own heart. Because once you find him and you find Jesus Christ and you're in Christ, you have security. This is the most biblically accurate way of saying you're a Christian. You're in Christ. And J.I. Packer said something about this this way with a quote I want to show you. There's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. When you truly know God, you have energy to serve him, boldness to share him, and contentment in him. That's what you need to analyze if that's you today. So more on this to come, but let's shift our focus right now to the other opening phrase, no condemnation. The specific term condemnation here is the Greek word katakrima, And this word is used only in Romans. You may think, I've heard the word condemnation all throughout the Bible. Well, Paul is using a specific version of the word, and this isn't just judgment. We're not really talking about judgment right here. Like saying something that makes you feel bad, oh, I need to, I need to get that right. You've, you've showed me, you've condemned me in the sense of, yeah, that's, that was that was wrong. No, that's not what he's saying. Don't think of that version of condemnation. This is the specific word that speaks of the penalty, the penalty of sin. So what Paul is saying in this short, powerful statement is you're not going to ever have to pay the penalty of your sin against God. If you know Jesus Christ, it is over. It is finished. You're never going to be punished for it. Discipline, maybe, sure. Discipline is a little different than punishment. You know, we, we discipline our kids because we're trying to train them up in, in, in how to live for Jesus Christ. We don't, pu- we don't punish anybody. God is the one who punishes sin. That's his job and his alone. Discipline is something that we can do when we correct and we point to the truth of who God is. And yes, we can be disciplined all the time because God loves us. But punishment is non-existent for those of us who are in Christ. And Romans 8.1 is really the same statement as Romans 5.1. Does anybody remember Romans 5.1? Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Really, Romans 5.1 is saying the exact same thing that Romans 8.1 says. Romans 8 is just kind of taking the negative connotation from it. No condemnation is equivalent to, positively, you are justified. You have been declared righteous by God. And we're going to see in a second how this is all possible. But before we get to the next couple of verses, I need to press hold for a quick second. Um, because when you're preaching in Romans, really there's three types of listeners, okay? I'm, I'm going to just kind of reveal this to you. I, I thought about this as I prepared this message for all of you. So with the book of Romans, there's a the person who's just eating it up. They've been like, David, why haven't you preached on Romans like 365 times already? Like, what's, what's going on? Like, I love Romans. It's all about Romans. And they love theology. They can talk about definitions, deeper knowledge all day. They listen to podcasts that have horrible audio of David Martin Lloyd-Jones from like 100 years ago, right? Like that, you, know, you know who you are in the room, if that's you. And then if you don't know who David Martin Lloyd-Jones is, you're probably the other person. You have the other type of person who just loves Jesus, and they say, I don't need to analyze this over and over again. Just tell me what to do, who to love, where to go, and I'm good, right? You see both those types of people. And then you have the third type of person in the room, and they just don't get this at all. Like, this is kind of confusing. And, and they get bored when you're, when you're in this book. And if they're like, if you don't tell me some stories soon, I'm just going to check out David, all right? Now, one of those three types of people is not in Christ. And I'm really glad you're here, but seriously, this message is for you. You need to find Jesus Christ. You need to repent of your sin and know him on a personal level for this to mean anything for you. So please pay close attention if that's you. And for the other two people in the room, the theology buffs and the just go out there and love people, I have a word for both of you. It's the word balance. Okay? Because we need both types in every single church. Every believer is gonna to shade to one direction or another based on your personality, based on your background, but a healthy church needs both of you, and we need both of you to be balanced. What happens if everybody in the church just trades around J.I. Packer books and, and quotes, you know, theological memes to each other all the time? Are people gonna get saved? And is the church going to be the influence that it needs to be? Probably not, right? There needs to be a little bit more than that. Your head's going to get bigger and bigger, and pride is going to fade in, and you're going to have problems not far behind. But for those of us who love the finer points of theology, um, that's not all there is to it, right? Right? You need both. You need correct, deep theology. You also need to meditate on the truths of the gospel. You need to open your mouth. You need to get off your seat, and you need to do something about it. So my goal in this series is to teach those of you who love theology to apply that love towards people. And and just like God loves people, you need to love people. And my goal is for those of you who already just love people um, and you don't like to read books over 200 pages... And, and you like to wear glasses and a flannel and have a beard and just talk about theology, those types of people, I would challenge you to get to know God deeper to the point that you're ready to share him, and you're ready to tell others about him. So you, you have to have balance to be all that you're called to be. Now, with that said, here's the truth. Let's, let's not lose focus of where we're at. Rest in Christ because Jesus is your justifier. So that's for all of us. And here's the other practical angle that you can take on it. If you like the theology side, that's for you. And here's the other part. You can also say no to the fear of rejection. With all the points today, I want you to see both sides of this. You can say no to the fear of rejection. No is actually a liberating word. A lot of times we don't think of it that way. You think, no, I can't date anybody until I'm out of high school. Come on, Mom. Like, no, it's restrictive. Or, no, I can't buy that jacket right now. I want to buy that jacket right now. We think of no in a negative sense. In the Bible right now, no condemnation, this is a very freeing, liberating concept. In this context, there is no punishment. You are free to go. It's the most liberating, empowering thing you could ever hear. And this is your reality in Christ. You can't screw this up. You can't blow it. In Christ, there is no wrath. There is no fire. There is no brimstone. There is no lightning bolt coming down from heaven to strike you if you are in Christ. You have been declared righteous, and when the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been imputed onto your account, it's not just like the credit card goes from like a negative balance that's in the red to zero. It's not that. Your balance now is completely, eternally in the positive. It's a never-ending, unlimited, in-the-green balance because you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed onto your account. God looks at you, and he sees his sinless son, Jesus Christ. Christ because you were in Christ. That's the beauty of the gospel here. So I know some of us are probably thinking, well, you don't know what I've done. I, some of us in this room feel rejected because of what they have done and the way others have responded to them. They feel rejected because, because people around them don't, don't show love. People around them, maybe they're prideful. Maybe they've, they've taken the wrong viewpoint. And, and they're holding that and hanging that over your head. Every person in this room who's ever felt disappointed by someone or disappointed in yourself, this is for you. There is no condemnation. And you know what I like to do? I hope you have your Bible with you. But you could, for fun, if you're the type of person who likes to mark up their Bible, you could take your pen. You could cross out the word Those. I know you're like, how dare you, David? What are you talking about? Cross out a word in my Bible? You could cross out the word those, and you could write Ryan. You could write Caitlin. You could write Freddie. There is no condemnation for David who is in Christ Jesus. Just personalize that. Many of us live under the fear of rejection and insecurity. You want to impress people. Sometimes it's the wrong people. Sometimes it's a a good person. But you're trying to impress them so much that you miss this liberating, empowering truth that you were in Christ. No matter what you do, no matter what they say, you're untouchable. And some of us live like victims. We really do. We have this victim mentality, which is such a brutal way to live because in our world, they almost push you to accept the victim mentality. You can get the 15 minutes... Of, of special treatment and attention. And I'm not saying there aren't victims in the room. People are victimized every single day, and it's a very serious thing. But if the victimization turns into your identity, and you can't live without this fear, you're going to have rejection kind of dominate your life. And eventually, everyone who looks like the person who wronged you is going to trigger you, and you retreat into your victimhood. It can be gender-related. It can be race-related. But before you know it, you don't love everyone. You're more concerned with how people hated you. And, and you're more concerned with that hatred that happened to you than you are concerned with God's love that he showered upon you. You were letting the sinner have power over you because you haven't given it over to God. They will answer for what they have done, either in this life or the next. That's going to happen. But the truth of the matter is, you have freedom. They were probably a victim too at some point. But you can have rest in the truth that Jesus Christ is your justifier, and you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. So how is this possible? Well, I think it's time to go into verse 2. I'm glad you asked. We're finally getting to verse 2. But really, verse one is is just such a launch pad for the rest of this chapter. So, verse two, I'll read it. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has not, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. I'll stop right there. Point two here today. Is celebrate freedom because Jesus Christ is your liberator. So let's break this one down, uh, beginning in verse 3. God has done. It's completely a work of God. He saves you. It's not a work on your own, right? God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. So what's he talking about here? This is talking about the Old Testament law, which none of us could keep. Not one of us has ever kept it. We were born in Adam with a sin nature. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The law reveals to us that we're sinners. We can't save ourselves because we have sinned. None of us are sinless. So how did he do what we couldn't do? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. This is just saying Jesus became fully man. His humanity was in the likeness of sinful flesh because his humanity was both real and sinless at the same time. Why did Jesus come to earth? Why why did God send Jesus as a man? What's what's the very end of verse 3 there? For what? Somebody say it out loud. Sin. Sin. For sin, he came to sacrifice his life as a substitutionary atonement for the sin of mankind. And here's the death knell. In more than one one way, literally this is the death knell, he condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus didn't condemn you, he condemned your sin. He took the punishment of sin, he took it on his own flesh, he gave his life to defeat sin and death. This is the best news we will ever hear and we can't get over going back to this. When you're struggling, when you're feeling it, when there's pressure around you and there's people on the outside who are making you, uh, you know, feel bad because they're just mistreating you, you go back to this. No matter what else is happening, Jesus is my liberator. He condemned my sin. He, he died for it. And when he rose again, death was arrested and new life began. And he defeated sin and death on the cross. So celebrate freedom because Jesus Christ is your liberator. And I want to make another very important point right here. It's hard to press pause right now, I know. I want to get to verse 4. There's so much more to this. But here's the second application for the second type of person in our room. What does no condemnation mean for you? It also means that you can say no to the feelings of guilt. You can say no to that. You don't have to feel guilty anymore because you're not guilty anymore. The first aspect of the gospel, we talked about how no condemnation means you can say no to the fear of rejection. We can add to that, you can say no to the feelings of guilt. You are free in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? It's easy to see that in black and white and then just brush over it and move on. It's easy to have that in your head as a head knowledge, but you need to believe it to the point that it's in your heart. Freedom from the bondage of guilt. And here's where this one plays out so often. Every Christian, I think, to some degree, struggles with legalism. That may be a surprising statement to you, like, I don't have a legalistic bone in my body. Come on, David. I I got over that like 20 years ago. Too many people think that legalism is just being against a certain variety of music or Being legalistic means you look down on other people for dressing differently than you. Legalism is more than just making the Bible say something about entertainment that the Bible doesn't say. It's not just a standards issue. It's not, I can't go there and I can go here or I can't wear this. Those symptoms are versions of legalism, but legalism is a mindset that thinks, I can please God with my good works. That's the root of legalism. You think, I have to try harder to please God and be accepted. That's the heart of it all. And the result of legalism is, if I'm doing these things, God will be happy with me. But you never really do them and you never fully pull them off because all of us are sinners and what happens, you feel guilt and it weighs you down. When you are affected by legalism, you care too much about what others think of you, or you care about other people's convictions too much, and you care about those more than what God has for you. And you're missing the freedom that you have in Christ to pursue Him in the way that the Holy Spirit leads you. This is very important that we get this understanding down correctly. And this is where legalism is attractive to everyone, because people who have high standards and people who have no standards at all, they, they both think God is more pleased with me. If I do this, God will be more happy with me. What does the truth of this passage teach us? There's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. You have freedom. He has set you free. We don't need to keep worrying about all these extraneous things on the outside. Think about what Jesus Christ has done for you in your personal life, in your heart, and let that change from the inside come out. That game of comparison will breed insecurity and it's rooted in the law of sin and death. You could call it reverse legalism when you look down on someone else who has a higher standard than yourself and you prop yourself up as the more spiritual one because you don't go there and do that and they think you have to. It can go both ways. Legalism says I can do it. The spirit of life says no, you can't do it. Jesus did it, okay? Galatians says, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Ephesians 1 says that you were accepted in the beloved. And one more time for review, just throw this on the screen for you. Legalism says, I have to try harder and do more to be accepted. Liberty says, I am free to walk in the spirit because I am accepted in the beloved. That's the truth of the gospel, So every time you feel guilty, open up your Bibles to Romans 8. Look at verse 2 and say, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free. And again, you can put your name in there if you want to. You can just cross out the U and you can put in E and you can put in Quinn. Put your name in there. Whatever whatever you want to do to help you remember this, do it. But celebrate freedom because Jesus Christ is your liberator. And here's where it gets even more personal. Look at verse 4. Last verse we're going to see today. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So being in Christ, this is important that you connect this, okay? Being in Christ doesn't just end with resting in Him and in being liberated by Him. Do you see how there's more here? There's more to it? so many christians in their practical life they stop right here just short of the verse verse the truth in verse 4 of course we would never say this out loud but for far too many of us being in christ caps out at verse 3 as a theological concept that i, I have been able i have been given that i have received and this, there's an exchange here it doesn't end there does paul say god condemns sin in jesus in order that we may, might escape condemnation, period. Is that what we have in our in our Bibles? Do we have a period there at the end of verse three? No. What do we have instead? What What do we have? I heard I heard it back there from Jesse. A comma. Thank you. There is a comma, and it is connected. So we are free in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And here's the third truth of what no condemnation means for you. Walk in the Spirit because He is your sustainer. Jesus condemned sin as our justifier. Jesus freed us from sin as our liberator. Yes and amen. But He does that in order that something might happen in us. And this is what He wants to do through us. Our righteousness in Jesus Christ isn't limited to our justification. It's also a catalyst for our sanctification. Our faith does something. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Wink, wink, if you remember our last series. And this really tees up the rest of the book because Paul is about to talk about walking in the Holy Spirit for the next 36 verses. Crazy will be crazy (laughs) out there. But you, no matter what's going on, can walk in the Spirit. This is talking about how the Holy Spirit empowers our obedience. We don't walk according to the old sinful passions of the flesh anymore, those patterns. You are secure, you are free, and you are now energized by something that's inside you, the Holy Spirit, because you are in Christ. And and what no condemnation means for you in this third iteration is that you can say no to the fatigue of defeat for the other half of the room that wants the practical take-home right now. Yes, you can say no to the fatigue of defeat. And can I just be honest with you for a minute? Living for Jesus in your own strength, take it from me, if you, if you, if you haven't experienced this already, it's exhausting. To live the Christian life if it's all on your shoulders and you got to be the right person and you got to say the right thing at all times and you aren't walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's through your own sufficiency, you are going to fall. And you are going to feel the fatigue that will set in. You will grow weary in doing well, as Paul says in Galatians 6-9. Even in doing good things, we can actually get spiritually fatigued if we aren't doing it with the right pure motives. And this is honestly the number one reason why people burn out in church. They don't walk in the spirit. They rush forward on their own. Or they, or they like dump someone with guilt because they're not measuring up to what they think their standard should be. And you get out of the walking and the leading of the Holy Spirit, and it becomes a performance. It becomes a religion. It's like a kid who's on a scooter trying to keep up with his older brother who's on a bike. You can kind of keep up a little bit, and then you just wear out, and you crash and burn. In my life, there have been times when I felt exhausted, and I felt like, "Wow, should I just like, just change up what I'm doing and 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 quit trying to do so much for Jesus? Is is this really worth it all?" I've had those thoughts, and if I've had them, I'm probably I'm sure probably most of us in the room have had those before when you're exhausted. The only way to snap out of those feelings and those thoughts which, which aren't correct, they, they are correct if it's, in, it's all on you. If it's all on you, then something needs to change because it's not going to work forever. But the only way to correct that thinking that will eventually lead to depression is to go to the gospel right here and remind yourself, it's not all on me and it's not all up to me. The feeling of fatigue, of defeat, is always a result of trying to serve God out of my own strength. That is the sin of self-sufficiency. And at the end of the day, sin is always believing a lie, and it's a lie of the enemy to think that we can sustain this on our own. We can't. The key word in Romans 8 is the last word in verse 4. It's what we've been talking about. It's the word Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit the power that is inside of you. Walk in that. Do you remember what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John 7? If you don't remember, that's okay. I'm going to put it up here for you. This is what Jesus said. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then there's some commentary on what Jesus said there to his disciples. Thank you, John, for this commentary. Now, he said this about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. So this is before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the believers. But Jesus was teaching that this is what is going to happen. You are going to have something, a source of power and strength in your life that can flow out of you like a mighty river. That's the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Worship team, you can... You can come on up, worship team, um, and get ready here as we close this up. But it's not going to just get better out there in the world anytime soon. Uh, We can can expect sinners to sin. We can expect people who don't know God to not live for God. (laughs) We can expect mistreatment. We can expect to be misunderstood. Crazy will be crazy. Expect that, but also rejoice when God gives grace. Because he does that all the time, too. And it's a bonus. He blesses us all the time. He gives us people that we don't deserve in our lives to come in and change things. So I really want to leave us, as we opened up this series, just with the thoughts, like, you can turn off the news sometimes, all right? You can set your phone down. You don't need to be fatigued. You don't need to feel defeated. No matter what is happening in your life personally, there is no condemnation for all of you who are in Christ. You're not a victim. You're a victor. And you will see at the end of this chapter, you are more than a conqueror. So whatever it feels like out there, align your feelings and erase your fears with the truth of the liberation of the word no. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He has not given us the spirit of fear. He has given us the power, spirit of love, and of power and of sound mind. And I just want to close with this. Where are you at? Do you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and find him and be found in him? Is that what you need? If that's what you need i love, we'd love to talk with you more about that. We'd love to pray with you about that. But you need to do business with the Lord there. Maybe you need to start walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to get over your own sin of self-sufficiency and, and that, that thing that's just dragging you down and bringing you fatigue. Maybe you need to get over the guilt that comes through legalistically trying to impress people and and, and make people like you. Just rest in the goodness and the truth that God has accepted you in the beloved. He already loves you with the perfect love that can't get any bigger, it can't get any less. It's a perfect love. So if you need to get something right, would you stand up right now? We're going we're gonna to sing another song and as we are singing out to God in response to him, if you need to get one of these things right, If you need to respond, you can come up here. You can pray. You can also step over here to the side, and and, and we have Steve Steve and Lynn over here. They would be glad to pray with you. They can take you right into the back and pray. But you need to ask the Holy Spirit to convict. Where do I need to change right now? If If I'm feeling it, the pressure from the outside, the pressure from within, what truth do I need to add to my thing? Let's praise Him right now for this.
1: I worship this is my offering, and every moment I would hold nothing, I'm learning to trust you. all. Oh, my life is an altar. Let your fire fall. If you say it's wrong, then I'll say no. If you say release, I'm letting go. If you it with me, I'll begin. And when you say to jump, I'm diving in. If you say, but still, then If you say to trust I will obey, teach me how to follow my own way, I'm done chasing feelings, the Spirit. If you say release, I'm letting go. If you're in it with me, I'll begin. And when you say to jump, I'm diving in. Sing it out. If you say,
0: let go of some things and right now we we are acknowledging that we can't do this on our own we need you to lead us we need your spirit to empower us and as we dive into this book lord may we always go back to these theological truths that will never grow old Lord, thank you for liberating us. Thank you for justifying us. Thank you for giving us freedom and and just a sense of release to be who you called us to be. We don't have to worry about the condemnation from anyone else. You condemned our sin in your flesh when you nailed it on the cross. You laid it there. Thank you for that, Lord. May we own that and just champion that as we go out today. Don't let us forget what you have done for us in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: If you say it's wrong, then I say no. If you say release, I'm letting go. If you're in it with me, I'll begin. Then you say to jump, I'm diving in. If you stay be still, then I'll.